Thank you for listening to A Call to Freedom, the audio podcast of Freedom Ministries Church located in Apopka, Florida. I'm Pastor Freddie Fillmore Sr., and I want to welcome you to our church. You can watch our broadcast online every Sunday at 12 noon Eastern Standard Time. You can also join us for Shabbat prayer every Tuesday at 7 p.m. and Bible study at 7 p.m. on Thursday. For more information on how to watch or to submit a prayer request, please visit our website, acalltofreedom.com, or visit us on social media. The information is also listed in the show notes to this podcast. It is my desire that the message this week blesses challenges and encourage you in your walk of faith. Thank you again for joining us and I pray you enjoy the word. Welcome to another broadcast from Freedom Ministries Church here in Apopka, Florida, where our pastor is Freddie Fillmore Sr. Hi, my name is Brother Paul and I'm one of the ministers here at the church. And in addition to these uh, Sunday services, we also have two other weekly events that we want you to be made aware of. On Tuesday nights, we have a Shava prayer meeting. That's where you can call in for prayer. And it's on Google Meets, I believe. And you can either view by video or you can call in on phone. And then also on Thursdays at 7 p.m., we have a regular Bible study. So those two events we want you to be made aware of. Today, we will be continuing a sermon series on 2020 Vision, part three, focus. We're talking about focus, and our scriptural text will be the book of Habakkuk. That's in the Old Testament, Habakkuk. Our primary verse will be chapter two, verses two and three, but we're gonna actually start from the very beginning of the book, all right? Let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for right now, for your word. We always get excited when we hear your word because we take it literal. This is your word. Your word has has survived and you allowed it to, to stand up under scrutiny for thousands and thousands of years. People have to try to discredit it. But this is your word. And when everything else fails, your word is going to be here. And so we thank you for this privilege and this opportunity where we can come together and, and hear from you. You want to have an, an audience with us, and Lord, we are the better for it. So we thank you, and we ask that you would once again speak to our hearts and give us a clear understanding of what you would have us to hear today, what you are speaking to us in the form of vision and being focused. We ask these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Like I said, we're in the book of Habakkuk. A little bit about Habakkuk. His name means either the embracer or the wrestler. Now, his wrestling was with the why God would let evil go unpunished. And then why would God bring calamity on his own people? And while at the same time he embraced by faith the salvation of the Lord, in chapter 3, where God's reply was simply wait and consider who I am and keep silent. The prophet wrestled with waiting in prayer because he was frustrated 
at God's silent with the Chaldeans, later became the Babylonians, their brutal mistreatment of the southern kingdom of Judah. I said we're going to start from the beginning of the book. So chapter 1, verse 1 reads, The burden which Habakkuk the prophet did see. The burden means the judgment. Because this was actually uh, Habakkuk's question. It really wasn't about that, but this is really God's answer to his question became the prophecy of the book. It's talking about the judgment that God is going to pronounce on his people. So Habakkuk's first problem was, why does God permit evil? Verse 2 says, O Lord, how long shall I cry, and thou wilt not hear? Even cry out unto thee of violence, and thou wilt not save. Habakkuk was telling God that he is refusing to answer his prayers. He cries out in the night and despair and sees violence among his people. And God is seemingly doing nothing and saying nothing. His big question was, why does God permit this evil to continue among his own people? The iniquity, the injustice, the strife, the contention. Sound familiar? This question is asked by a lot of skeptics. They just reword it. They say things like, you don't believe that a God of love would permit evil in the world, do you? Or do you think that a loving God who's kind in heart would permit suffering in the world? That's just the enemy. You know, he used those same tactics on Eve back in the garden in Genesis chapter 3. He was basically telling Eve, he said, Do you mean to tell me that God does not want you to eat of that tree? Why? That tree has the most delicious fruit of any tree in the garden. And if you eat it, your eyes will be opened. I didn't know they were closed. But you will become like God. I can't believe that a good God would forbid you eating of that tree. I just can't understand it. Now, what was he doing? He was actually destroying her confidence in the goodness of God. And that's where the enemy always starts. You know, I don't believe we talk enough about the goodness of God when we talk about his attributes. We talk about that he's all-knowing and all-powerful. He's the creator of everything and the sustainer of everything. And he is all these things. He's holy, holy, holy. But he's a good God. And he's a good God all the time and all the time. God is good. Now Habakkuk's question, it fitted perfectly into the local situation of his day. People were getting by and getting away with sin and God was seemingly doing nothing so his question was why doesn't God judge the wicked or why does God permit evil men and women to prosper now isn't that a good question even in our day and I'm sure that many of God's people have asked why doesn't God judge the evil in our nation today 
And why does he permit the rich to get richer? Why doesn't God do something about that? You know, that was the psalmist question in Psalm 73, verses 2 and 3. It reads, But as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. For I was envious of the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Unquote. Now, as he looked around, he saw that the ones who were prospering were the wicked. And it almost robbed him of his faith. Why wasn't God doing something about that? Now, the people of Judah apparently felt that they were God's little pets and that he wouldn't punish them for their sins. Probably the first time that they did something evil, they were apprehensive and looking around and fearful, wondering if God would punish them. And when he did nothing, they assumed that he either had noticed or that he didn't care. The writer of Ecclesiastes says in chapter 8, verse 11, because sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily, therefore the heart of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. Human nature has not changed. That's why the Bible, the Word of God, is always relevant. The sins which were committed undercover, the things that we used to try to hide and do in the darkness, now are done openly. Now, does that change the fact that sin is wrong in the sight of God and that He is not going to judge every sin? No. God is still keeping His standards. They haven't changed. Even though his execution against evil, a particular evil work, may not be performed speedily, his judgment is sure to come eventually. In our day, very few people believe in the judgment of God. They feel like Habakkuk did when he saw his nation getting worse and worse until sin was just rampant and flagrant and God was doing nothing about it. Do you feel that way about the conditions as they are? Is God doing anything about it today? It doesn't look like he is. Let's go to verse 3. It says, why do you show me iniquity and wrong? This is Habakkuk still talking. And yourself look upon or cause me to see perverseness and trouble. For destruction and violence are before me. And there is strife and contentions arises. Therefore the law is slackened, and justice and righteous sentence never go forth. For the hostility of the wicked surrounds the uncomp uncompromisingly righteous. Therefore justice goes forth perverted. Habakkuk was a man with a very tender heart, and he hated to see the lawlessness that was abounding and going unpunished. He hated to see innocent people being threatened and exploited and destroyed. He was asking God, why aren't you doing something about it? Well, God had an answer for him, and he has an answer for you if that's your question. Um, he says, behold, or 
Let me read it in this other translation. Look around you, Habakkuk. This is God talking. Look around and see the other nations and see and be astonished and astounded. For I am putting into effect a work in your days such that you would not believe it if it were told you. For behold, I am raising up the Chaldeans, that bitter and impetuous nation who march through the breadth of the earth to take possession of dwelling places that do not belong to them. The Chaldeans are terrible and dreadful. Their justice and dignity only proceed from themselves. God was challenging Habakkuk to open his eyes and look around him to get a worldview, to get the big picture of what he was doing. You see, God was working. There was one great crisis after another taking place. Even that great nation of the Assyrian Empire that had captured the northern tribes that had already been toppled. But still, he had this question, why does God permit evil? Well, one of the reasons why he permits evil is because he's long-suffering. And he is not willing that any should perish. He's provided the cross and a crucified Savior so that no one needs to perish. Now, Habakkuk's second question was similar. It says, why does not God judge the, the wicked? First, he was wondering, why didn't God permit the evil amongst his own people? Now he's asking, why doesn't God judge the wicked? Now, God will eventually answer that question at the second coming of Christ, because that time, evil and sin will be judged. When God answered him, he had told him that he was not ignorant of nor was he concerned about Judah's sin. But rather than revival, he was going to raise up the Chaldeans to send a dreadful and feared judgment. See, sometimes when we're calling out to God, we want him to work one way. How many people have called out, we need revival. They were calling out for a revival, but God was bringing judgment. After all, he's God. We don't dictate how he wants to fix the thing. So that's what was going on there. And then as we continued on in verses 12 through 17, this is Habakkuk speaking again, and he's asking God, and he's trying to appeal to God's nature, that he's pure and holy. He said, why are you, this holy and pure God, using the wicked to punish and correct us? Because see, the the Chaldeans were worse than they were. Yeah, they were committing sins, and first he was complaining about God. You're not doing about nothing. These are your people. This is us. How come you're not fixing it? And then when God comes up with the fix, he's complaining about how God wants to fix it. But God will correct it the way that he wants to correct it. And all that leads us up to our main scripture, Habakkuk chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. This is when God is answering it. And this is in the Amplified Version. It says, Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision. In other words, he wants this thing written down and recorded. The vision, the revelation. And engrave it plainly on clay tablets 
so that the one who reads it, the herald, will run with it. In other words, he's saying, write this thing down. I want there to be a, a record. I want people to know that this was prophesied about. And he said, for the vision is yet for an appointed future time. A lot of times when God gives us a vision, he doesn't give us a timetable. When he gave Joseph his dream, he didn't realize how many years later it was going to take for that dream to come to fruition. In this case, it was 60 years from what God promised and prophesied before it came to fulfillment. He said, if it hurries toward the goal of fulfillment, it would not fail. It won't lie. It won't prove false. Even though it delays, wait patiently for it, because it will certainly come. It will not delay. There's a lot of lessons in this story that we can learn from. You know, we're godly people. We're his people. We see things. God shows us things. But why does he show us things? See, we need to go the next step. We just can't assume that things are going to work out a certain way, the way that we would do it if we were in charge. I'm so glad I'm not in charge. I'm so glad you're not in charge. Amen. You know, revelation, when God gives us a revelation, is really for seeing the way that God sees and not the other way around. He gives us a revelation and we want to we want to say that's what it means. But it's really seeing it the way God sees. So, Lord, what are you speaking to me? What are you saying to me in this revelation? I, I heard the words, but what do they mean for me or us? Visions should always magnify the Lord because it's not all about us. Last time I talked about magnifying, I was talking about a a microscopic magnification when you take something that is small and you make it bigger. But in this case, I'm talking about a telescopic magnification. When you're taking something that is large but is far away and you're bringing it closer. God is a big God. But when we magnify him, we bring him closer. And see, because the closer we bring him, the more we can focus on him. This is about focus today, because focus decides what you feel. When I focus on something, I start to feel a certain way. And what I feel determines what I pursue. I can know where my focus is by what I feel. The battle in this life is in the mind. And the battle of our mind is where I focus. My spirit man is saved. My flesh will never be saved. So I, the mind is the controlling agent. And so where I put my focus is where my mind and my feelings and my pursuit is going to follow. Now if I don't decide or if you don't decide your focus, someone else will. So we need to protect our focus. We need to guard it and prioritize our focus. You know, that's why advertisers spend a lot of money on commercials because they're trying to decide your focus. 
You may not have been hungry, but when you see that commercial, now all of a sudden you want to eat. You want to get something to drink. You just got to have that next thing. You weren't even thinking about it. So we have to really guard and protect where we focus, because it is our choice. I can choose to look to the right or to the left. I can choose to look at the problem or I can look at the solution. Even Jesus' disciples, for most of his ministry, they didn't embrace or even understand the correct and accurate vision that he was living out right before them, right before their eyes. Why? Because their focus was so bent on being delivered from Roman oppression. They couldn't see that he had a bigger goal, a bigger mission. See, Jesus performed a lot of miracles. People were being healed. People were being fed. All these things that were happening. People were even being raised from the dead. But everything that he did was temporary. People that he healed got sick again. People that he rose from the dead, they died again. Jesus was trying to get something that was eternal. And, but because their focus, and, and they had walked with him for three and a half years, they lived with him, ate with him. But our focus is so important. He's saying again, can you hear me now? After being isolated, we've been isolated and quarantined and distant. Can you still hear him? You may be in some hardships and trials. Can you hear him? There even may be some economic reversals. You may have lost your income, your job, but can you still hear him? You may be ill. Some people have gotten the virus. Can you still hear him? You may be angry and really frustrated at these injustices. You may be downright mad. But can you hear him? See, all these things impact us, but we still can choose where our focus is. Because our focus is the key to having that accurate and correct vision. That accurate, that precise, that exact, not fuzzy, not obscure, not vague, not ambiguous, but clear and sure. And the big picture. We won't be missing things. Our focus is the key to having that correct vision, which is free from error. It's basically truth. When you have a course correction, that means you're, you're, you're being back, put back on target. Truth. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Pilate asked Jesus when he was about to crucify him, and he couldn't find any fault in him. Pilate asked Jesus, what is truth? Jesus said, I am truth. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I am truth. But you know, sometimes you just can't handle the truth. Our actions prove the truth of our words. If I say I'm going to go do something and I don't do it, that wasn't truth. It's only by my actions, when they line up with my words, is it truth. Now, people don't usually have a problem with believing the truth. It's the consequences of the truth 
that we fight. Because the consequences of the truth might make us uncomfortable, cause us to change. It may not taste right. Sometimes we, we only want part of the truth, the part that fits me. The truth is God is real and that he loves us and that we need him. Now, most people don't have a problem with God being real and that he loves us. But when it comes to the fact that we need him, we fight that. Because we don't want to be in a position where we need somebody, where we have to depend and rely on somebody else. We want to be able to work things out for ourselves. We want to be able to earn. But truth is truth. The vision, the revelation it's being able to see and, and have an awareness and a perception, sometimes of even things that are immaterial, things that are not physical, but they're spiritual. But there's a carefulness that we need to, to be aware of false prophets. Because everything that sounds like the truth ain't necessarily the truth. They'll use religious, religious phrases, and they'll even... Invoke the name of God. Jeremiah 23, 16 says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Do not listen to the words of the prophets who are prophesying to you. Huh? That don't sound godly. Let me continue. It says, They are leading you into futility. Every time I think of that word futility, I'm, I picture the, the hamster on the wheel running faster and faster and getting nowhere. Futility. They speak a vision of their own imagination and not from the mouth of the Lord. Real Christians want to hear from God. We don't want to hear from people that just sound like God. We don't want people just to look the part. We want them to be the part. Remember, Apostle Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. We don't want to follow just what is popular opinion or what is politically correct. But we, we really want to hear from God. We seek him, not just seek his hand for his blessings and his protection and all the things that make us feel good. But we focus on him and what he is saying to you personally. What is he saying to you about you? We always want God to get somebody else. But what is God saying to you about you? The good, the bad, the ugly. Sometimes it's popular to be a Christian and sometimes people, sometimes church people, just want to be flavored with Christ. They just want a little sprinkling here and there. They just want to have a little, a little bit of an aroma of Christ. But the real Christian wants to be filled with Christ. I don't want to just have a flavoring. I want to be filled, saturate, so he's emanating from me. When I was preparing for this message, I was praying and driving at the same time, and I came to an intersection, and I saw this billboard. And it said, let's start, and then in big letters was H 
E A. And the, the next letter was blocked because there was a, a pole, a power pole or a telephone pole or something blocking that next letter. But then the final letters were ING. And because where I was and I was, I was full of God and just really wanting to hear from God, I put an R there. Let's start hearing. Let's start hearing. But then as I moved and accelerated on, I got to see that the missing letter was not an R, it was an L. Let's start healing. You see, it was a billboard for the hospital. They talk about let's start healing. But then the more I thought about that, the hearing and healing go hand in hand. Use the scripture before that says, if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. God hears and he heals. He's the one that can, can do something about this. Also said before that God does not respond to our pain and our problems, but to our pursuit of him. Jeremiah 29, it says, And ye shall seek me and find me when ye shall search for me with all your heart. We have to pursue God. We have to search for him. People that really are searching for God, the people that really want to know God, they'll find him. We don't have to force people. We don't have to carry our big old Bibles and, and pray and preach to them. Let God do the work. Because if they really want God, they'll find God. Because God wants to be found. He's not lost. We just have to seek him out. When God is trying to reach us, don't you know if we're trying to reach him? We have an example of that in the story of the prodigal son. When he came back, before the son even got back, the father saw him at a distance. And the father ran to the son. I don't see anywhere else in scripture where we see God being in a hurry. But when God knows that you want him, he wants you. Amen. So we thank God for this lesson on focus. Uh, we want to keep our focus on the Lord and, and make sure that we don't allow the distractions. We want to make sure that we don't get upset with how God wants to fix the problem. I know we get in these things and we just want, we just want to get out of the fire. We just want to get out of it. Lord, I'm hurting. Do whatever, do anything. No, God has a very specific thing that he wants to do. He's not, he's not going to do the shotgun effect. He's just going to do it very laser, pinpoint what he wants to do for you. So we thank God for this word on focus. And this will conclude our series on vision for this part of the 2020 vision. And I just thank God for, for how he brought this word together. Let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we recognize the fact that we need you. 
Sometimes we can get off track, but the good news is that we can always get back on track because you're always wanting us to come to you. You never turn us away. So, Father, I ask that you would give us, as we're talking about focus, give us a specific direction and give us correction because we need it. Give us your vision of what you want us to do and who you want us to be in these times that we're living in. You know all about it. Sometimes we pray to you as if this is news to you, but nothing catches you by surprise. So we thank you for uh, you being who you are. And we just ask once again that you would uh, let this word go with us, that we can apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank God for this message. And once again, we would like to remind you that we have Shava prayer weekly on Tuesdays at 7 p.m. And we have our Bible study weekly on Thursdays also at 7 p.m. Thank God for another broadcast from Freedom Ministries Church. God bless. I pray that you were strengthened by the word. If this message touched you in any way, please let us know by reaching out to us online on social media. Also, please share this podcast and help spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you would like to donate to our ministry, you can do so by going to our website, acalltofreedom.com, or go through Cash App. We are Freedom FMC. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you until we meet again. Amen. Amen.